Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our mini-series in the book of Revelation. Why are we preaching through Revelation? Because we believe that Christ came and spoke to his church to encourage them in a difficult time to be witnesses for him, to pray. He wants them to pray. And the best way to encourage us to pray is to get a vision of the risen Lord Jesus and to hear the words that he pens to his church. And so we are preaching through the first three chapters of Revelation. And this morning, we're going to preach on Revelation 2, 18 to 29. Revelation 2, last book of the Bible, 18 to 29. The title of our message this morning is, The Righteous Judge. The Righteous Judge. That is the title of our message. Revelation 2, 18 to 29. And so this next slide shows you a lampstand. This is a a first century lampstand. And I was trying to find a picture of one, but this represents what these seven lampstands. Remember in Revelation 1, it says that Jesus is standing in the midst of these seven lampstands. And they are tall lampstands. And typically what they would do is they would have this container at the top that is filled with oil. And there'd be a wick that is there that has to be maintained and it would be burning and it would be giving light. There's no electricity in the first century. So this is how light was given to a structure, even to a city. And the churches are likened to lampstands. And Jesus comes, the risen Savior, and he stands in the midst of the lampstands as their great high priest. And what he's doing is he's caring for the lampstand. He's making sure that the wick is properly trimmed. He's pouring in the oil of his spirit so that it's burning brightly. And he's speaking to them. But he's not just speaking to them. He's speaking to us. We're that lampstand in our community today, providing light in a darkened world. And Jesus comes with his word of encouragement. But that encouragement takes two phases in most of these letters, and all but two of them, he comes to both commend and he comes to correct. He comes to encourage, yes, but he comes to trim the wick because sometimes it lies useless and there's sections in it that need to be trimmed back and there's things that need to be done so that it can burn brightly, filled with the oil of his spirit being faithful testimonies to Jesus Christ. That's what he's calling us to do. Church, we're that lampstand in in South Florida. There are many lampstands, many churches that are preaching the gospel, and we come together and provide the light of the glory of God revealed in Christ. And he wants us to burn brightly, Palm Vista. He loves us, and he brings a word of encouragement to us. So let's read that word of encouragement found in Revelation 2. 18 to 29. Revelation 2, 18 to 29. You ready? 2, 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, the words of the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel, 
who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead. And all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. And I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden. Only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Full body scanners in our airports help keep us safe. They are designed to reveal the hidden things that bad people try to smuggle onto aircraft to cause problems. MRI and x-ray machines in our hospitals help reveal the hidden diseases that would rack our body so that doctors can then remove them. Things like cancer. So that we might be healthy. And in this text, Jesus reveals himself as the one whose eyes are like a flame of fire. Because he comes to reveal the hidden dangers, the hidden diseases that would cause our body to be sick. As a matter of fact, if you can put the lampstand back up. That would cause this lampstand and its light to be dimmed. He comes as the Lord who sees all. He sees everything, like the full body scanner, like the x-ray, like the MRI. He's going to come and he's going to identify, this is something that needs to be dealt with. And then he comes as the one who deals with it. And he gives grace, grace for that. It's interesting that the church in Thyatira had the same problem as the church in Pergamum. They had allowed a teaching that said, if you're a Christian, it's okay to party with the pagans on Saturday night while they sacrifice to idols and are sexually immoral. It's okay. You're a Christian. Go for it. It's going to help your business. You're going to do some networking. Oftentimes, these parties were held around the different careers one had. All the carpenters had this carpenter guild, and the welders had a welder's guild, and the attorneys had an attorney guild. They just sued each other all night. And and you had all these guilds all over the place. Sorry, it's a cheap shot. And you would go. And so you used to belong to these guilds, and they knew your business on Main Street, and they came to your hardware store, and so all of a sudden you become a Christian, and you stop showing up to the guild and to the party. Now the reason you stopped is because your conscience bothered you, because at the guild and at this party, they worship the God of that city, or maybe the God of your industry. You know how like, like you know, my, my grandfather was a taxi cab driver in Cuba, right? So you know the, the patron saint of travelers, right? St. Christopher. 
So he would always have in his visor a little thing of St. Christopher there. Now, if you've got a St. Christopher there, I'm not, just don't, don't freak out, okay? But, you know, there's just a little bit of paganism in that, right? Somehow Christopher is going to keep me safe on the streets of Miami. <laughs> Good luck, St. Christopher. But you get where I'm going, only there wasn't taking St. Christopher. They were actually gods of, of, of carpentry, gods of fertility. And so you would worship this god. You would come and give a little offering to this god, maybe some meat sacrificed to idols, and then you would sacrifice it to the idol. Then they would cook it on a nice barbecue, and you would eat that meat. And then typically around these parties was a lot of drinking and a lot of sexual immorality. And some, suddenly you're not going. And so people are saying, hey, where's Pino? You know, we're all here tonight at the lodge. Why isn't he here? And then Pino gets a little bit, you know, convicted. And so Pino says, well, I better go because if not, my business is going to fail. And so I start going. And then when I go, I start drinking a little too much. Now, this is hypothetical, okay? I start drinking a little too much. And then I get involved in what I shouldn't get involved with. And then I come back to the church. But on Sunday morning, there's a group of people teaching saying, that's okay. You can do that and still be a Christian. You know, there's not really any idols. Paul told us that in Corinth. There, you know, there's no idols. You, you can do that. And, and Jesus is coming to the church in Pergamum and Thyatira and saying, no, it's not okay. Because that light is being dimmed. Because there's no difference between you and the world. Salt, when it loses its saltiness, is thrown out. So he's coming to encourage them. He's coming to speak to them. He is the righteous judge and the conquering shepherd who wants to give them life and wants to ensure that the light remains burning brightly. As a matter of fact, that is the main point of this text. Jesus, the righteous judge and conquering shepherd, speaks to us. And he's speaking to us right now. Jesus, the righteous judge and the conquering shepherd, is speaking to us right now. He's walking amongst us in the church. He's here. We're his lampstand in South Florida. And he's speaking his words to us. And he's, and he's saying, I want to commend you. And yes, I need to correct you. I want to bless you. I want to encourage you. He comes as the righteous judge, point one. Look at verse 18. Notice how Jesus introduces himself. The words of the Son of God. Really, this is the first time Son of God is used here in Revelation. Normally, he's speaking of Son of Man. We know from previous sermons, this is that picture of this this Daniel image of God coming at the end times and ruling and reigning, the Son of Man. But here he says, Son of God. And I believe he is speaking that in fulfillment of Psalm 2. Psalm 2 on the screen. King David wrote it about a thousand years earlier, and he wrote about a greater king. He wrote about King Jesus. Listen to the words. Psalm 2.1. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying... Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king, Jesus, on Zion, my holy hill. Jesus is the king, and he comes to walk amongst his lampstands, and he says, I am enthroned as the king of all the earth. They may even have been referring to Psalm 2. Maybe that psalm was read in the church in response to this revelation of Jesus Christ, and it was so comforting to the church in Thyatira. 
Because the present king, Caesar, demanded to be worshipped as God, and he was beginning to persecute them. And so Jesus reveals to them and to us, who sometimes can feel the pressure of the governments around us that want to stop us and say that they are against us. And he's saying, I'm the king. Find comfort in me. I'm the righteous judge. Look at verse 18b. The words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire. This is speaking of Jesus as the righteous judge. Whenever that phrase is used in Scripture, it's speaking of the judge. He sees all. He judges all to include Caesar who is judging you right now in his courts and putting you in prison and even killing some of you. Jesus is the righteous judge over him. But he's also the righteous judge over us. Those eyes like a flame of fire are the full body scan. They're the MRI. They're the x-ray. Jesus sees right into us. And he's saying, I know what ails you. I know what you need to be whole. I know the disease that is racking your body. I know all that. Now, some of you may say, oh my, just last night, I was dancing around the idols, drunk, metaphorically speaking. I mean, he sees right into me. He's the righteous judge. But here's the good news, dear Christian. His throne is no longer a throne of judgment against you. His throne is a throne of mercy because the righteous judge that sees you, he knows exactly where you are. There's nothing hidden. He sees right through your mask. He sees right through the face you put on Sunday morning, but take off when you get in the car. He sees right through your motives. This is the one who died for you. He chose you from the foundations of the earth. He loves you. He knows exactly what you are and what you aren't. He knows your worst thought and your best day. He knows your betrayal of others and of him. He knows all your failures and he died for you, Christian, elect of God. And he takes you from where you are to where he will put you. He will conform you to the image of his son. He loves you. He died for you. So when those x-ray eyes peer into your soul, they may be doing it right now. Don't run from him. Don't hide from him. Look, you can hide from me. You can hide from everybody else. You can stop coming. You can hide from everybody. But you can't hide from the one whose eyes are like a flaming fire. It's like your little kids when they play hide and seek and they go, up, you can't see me now, mommy. And we laugh. But don't we do that to God? Don't. He loves you. Yes, he's going to speak to you. Yes, he's going to change you. But he loves you. And that's what he's saying to the church in Thyatira. He sees their fears. He sees their hopes. He sees their dreams. He sees their desires. He sees their rage. He sees their depression. He sees their failures. He sees their beauty. He sees their ugliness. And he says, I love you. And I'm going to care for you. And I'm going to make you shine brightly like this lampstand because you're my people. I just want to speak to some of you right now. When Jesus says he's judging Jezebel, he is not speaking to the Christian who finds himself or herself sinning and wants to change and weeps over it. 
If that's you, this isn't a condemning word for you. He will help you change. He's speaking to the teachers who are falsely saying it's okay to do that. And there is that teaching that's in the atmosphere that we breathe and the water that we swim around in in America today. There is a licentious teaching that is wrong that says it's okay, that says don't judge me. And he says, and it's in the church. And Jesus is going to come against those teachers, but he's not here to condemn you who struggle with it. He's here to bless you. You you may be weary. Listen, recently, uh, this last week, I had a call with a gentleman who is helping us as a team kind of take a look at our team dynamics and our strengths and our weaknesses individually and and help us to to mold together um, and and, and complement each other's strengths and weaknesses so that we might serve you and ultimately shine brightly as a lampstand in Miami Lakes. And and he took us through an exercise that we did of self-examination and some some tests that we took. and, And I came up with some real weaknesses in my life, some things that I want to change. Like, like I'm hypersensitive to criticism. I mean, I kind of knew that. Whew. And, it, and it's not good. Because the leader needs to withstand criticism. That's, that's part of what we do. We lead and people are going to criticize. And some of it is good, some of it is not. Some of it comes with a great attitude. Some of it comes with a horrible attitude. A lot of it's right on. So I want to change to serve you better. And I was looking at these three things that I listed that I know I need to change. And at one point on the phone call, I just kind of, he heard me sigh. <laughs> and he said, Al, Al, go back to the cross. It's time to move on. You can repent. You can have sorrow, but no shame here. Do you have the grace to calmly look at them and say, what one thing can I do to change in each area? And trust him. So if you're here this morning and there's a sin in your life and there's something that you, I hear you sigh like, oh, don't condemn me, Al. I know I'm dancing around that, you know, idle, half-naked, drunk, metaphorically speaking. Um, I just don't have the energy anymore. I'll never change. Jesus is so gentle. It says he will not extinguish even a, a wick that is flickering. It says that in Isaiah. He's here to encourage you. Yes, it'll take courage to face it and change. But he is here to give you the grace to do just that. Why? For his glory, so that those lampstands can burn brightly, both individually, but then together, and are good. So that's, that's what Jesus is speaking to the church in Thyatira. And he's saying to that church, not only do I have eyes like a flame of fire, But look at verse 18c. I have feet like burnished bronze, refined in the furnace. Do you see that? Back to 18c. Eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. Feet like burnished bronze indicate a conqueror comes with these bronze boots and he steps on his enemies. It also speaks of Christ's holiness. And what he's saying to the church is the very Caesar who's stepping on you, I will step on. Trust me. That's what he's speaking. Trust me, I will deliver you, dear Christian. I will deliver you, faithful saint of God. And then verse 19, a curious phrase. He uses the word here, works. He uses it three times in this text. But he uses it here in verse 19. I know your works. He uses it again in verse 26. The one who conquers and who keeps my works. This word works here 
references not good things you do. It can mean that, but it's not what he's talking about here. Here, the word works means the gospel. What he's saying is, I see you. I commend you, Thyatira. You have held on to. You have done the good work of holding to the gospel, declaring the gospel, and demonstrating the gospel. This, this word works is the gospel. The, the work of believing in that sense, if you want to think of it that way. It's not the works that we do to try to gain God's favor, or even good works we do to other people. It can include that later on, but here, it's it's the gospel. Your, your works are preaching the gospel, standing with the gospel, standing up and saying, Jesus is Lord, and only Jesus is Lord, and he died for our sins. That's what he's talking about. And he's commending them for that. And, it's, and he's using that in contrast with the bad works of Jezebel and her crowd. Verse 22. Her works. Do you see that there at the end of verse 22? Unless they repent of her works. So you've got this contrast. The works, and it's the gospel. It's Jesus Christ, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. Dear unbeliever, this is the key of this entire message and this entire church service is Christ. And the works of Jezebel, who isn't manifesting, isn't speaking of what Christ has done, but is is allowing people to compromise. And he's saying, I commend you because you have stayed faithful. Your latter works exceed your first. First works, your, your work of faithful witness to Christ and the gospel. And I think of you, Palm Vista. And I just want you to hear this. I commend you for your, your works. I'm not talking about the work of helping the hurricane victims. That's all good stuff. But thank you, Palm Vista, for keeping the gospel central. Thank you, Palm Vista, for sharing the gospel amongst your family and friends. Thank you, Palm Vista, for saying Jesus is Lord. His word is true. Uh, Jesus is my Savior. That, that, it's no small thing. Don't, I, don't ever, I don't ever want you to take it for granted. The, the emails I get from people on the job of how they're bearing witness, the, the, the words that I hear of how you reach out to your communities, thank you. I want you to hear the risen Lord Jesus who's walking amongst us commend you right now for that. Good job. Good job. Keep it up. Keep it up. But then in verse 20, he does speak to some of us. In verse 20, he does speak to some of us. And he says in verse 20, but I have this against you. What does he have against us? That we tolerate that woman Jezebel. Now, Jezebel isn't an actual woman, I don't believe. I believe Jezebel represents a group of teachers, a a mindset, a way of thinking that can be in us as well. It's called licentiousness. It says, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm saved by grace. True. I'm saved because God chose me. True. But it does matter what you do because I need to shine as a bright light. You see, Jezebel in the Old Testament was the wife of Ahab, which, who was a king of Israel around 874 BC. And Jezebel was telling Ahab, listen, it's okay. I know you're the king of Israel, and I know this all monotheistic thing, but you know what? Let's just throw up a couple of idols and a couple of altars to Baal over here, and let's just have some sexual immorality with the Asherah, the fertility goddesses over here, and let's keep everybody happy, right? You know, this political world. Let's cover our bases. It's kind of fun, too. That's Jezebel, 874 B.C. That's what I believe Jesus is referring to here. Do not, do not 
Do not lose the light that I've given you. Do not let it grow dim. Salt, when it loses saltiness, is to be thrown out. Jesus said that earlier in the Gospels in Luke 14. He's saying, you are my people. You are distinct from these people. And so I don't want you going to those parties anymore. I know it's going to affect your business. You may even receive persecution. They may even come for you sometime down in the future because they know you're a Christian now. But listen, you're mine. I conquer. I will keep you. You hold fast. You hold fast. Now, here's the question. Where do we celebrate the very things that God hates? Because that's what they were doing. That's what Jezebel was doing with Baal and the fertility goddesses and the sexual immorality. And that's what they were doing here. We see that clear in the text. She's teaching you to be sexually immoral and she's teaching you to eat food sacrificed to idols. It's these pagan parties. But where do we do, where do we do that in our hearts? Where do we buy into our culture's idols? Where the, where do we erect idols in our heart that we put somebody or something or some success or some financial gain or whatever it is above God and dance around the pole there in our hearts? Jesus comes gently and says, let me deal with that. I see it anyways. Let me deal with it. Let me give you grace. Let me give you life. Because listen, as you receive this word and as you repent, and in verse 23 it says again that he is the one that searches the heart. You see that? I am he who searches mind and heart. I will give to each of you according to your works. God is saying, listen, hang on to the gospel. That's the work. It's faith. It's not trying to earn your righteousness. And I will deliver you from that. I will change you. I will make your light burn brighter as you repent and you believe. Because point two, Jesus is our conquering shepherd. Jesus is our conquering shepherd. He is the one who rules over the nations. Look at verse 24. I believe this is what he's referencing here. But to the rest of you in Thyatira who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call, now I think he's being a little ironic here, the deep things of Satan, to you I say, do not lay on any of you any other burden, only, verse 28, hold fast, hold fast what you have until I come. Hold fast what you have until I come. What do they have there in verse 26? They have what they've been given, the gospel. Hold fast to the gospel until I come. And if you do, when you do, I will give you authority. The one who conquers, verse 26, and who keeps my works, that's the gospel, the gospel, works their gospel. The one who conquers and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations. What? And then he goes on to say, and he will rule them with a rod of iron as when earthen pots are broken in pieces. Even I myself have received authority from my father. What is Jesus referencing there? Jesus is quoting from Psalm 2. He's quoting from King David who was writing of King Jesus. And now Jesus, a thousand years later, resurrected Jesus, ruling Jesus with eyes of flames and feet of burnished bronze. He's encouraging his church. He's saying, listen, the nations are mine. And as you hold fast to the gospel, I will share that inheritance with you. Look at, look at Psalm 2, 8 and 9 on the screen. Ask of me. And I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now here's what's ironic about that. The conquering that he is talking about in verse 26 is simply 
staying faithful to the gospel and not giving in on that. It's holding fast that which the Lord has given us. But the way he conquered was how? Through his death on the cross. See, Jesus is saying, I'm the conquering shepherd. I will shepherd you. The way I conquered was to die in weakness, naked, broken on the cross. I conquered sin. I conquered death and the resurrection. Yes, when I come back, it will no longer be on a cross, but on, but as a conquering king. But you're going to conquer the same way. The way you conquer is that you will suffer for the gospel, but I have for you a promise of eternal glory and reigning underneath my authority. He says he's going to give us the authority that the Father gave him. That is mind-blowing. That is a light that will never go out. Don't mortgage the eternal light of the conquering Lord of glory with the eyes of flame for some dim little luminescent bulb of this world's party next Saturday night. We do it all the time. Don't. Because I love you, is what Jesus is saying. See the glory that I promise you. Celebrate in in the victory I've won. I, I was watching football yesterday. I know that's shocking. Rarely do I do that on Saturdays. I just happened to fall upon the Gator game. I don't know how that happened. And, and I just thought about two weeks ago, in football, right? A touchdown, six points. Uh, wins, it won the game for us. It was the last play of the game. Time ran out. 63-yard bomb. Guy ran underneath it, caught it, beat Tennessee. And I was watching the reaction in the stadium. It was one of those, you know, like someone's taking the video with his little cell phone, you know, it's a kid. And, he's, and you see, them, there's a play, and there it goes. And he goes, no, 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 there's a play. Oh, no, it's not going to. Yeah! And, you know, he throws the phone up in the air, and it's tumbling, and people are screaming. And you know what I thought? Everybody in that stadium celebrated that as if they're the ones that caught the touchdown. But they didn't. But they participated in the glory of victory. That's what Jesus is saying. You can't score the touchdown. Your team is down by a million points. But Jesus scored the winning touchdown. Jesus has the feet of bronze. Jesus has the eyes of flame. And he lets us not just celebrate in the stands, but we come down on the field. We get the victory. We get the championship ring. We get the crown, whatever you want to say. We get the glory forever and ever and ever that he won, that we didn't win. And he's saying, don't mortgage that for some temporary, you know, like little ring you get in one of those gum dispensers, you know? You can get a Super Bowl ring with 45,000 diamonds in it or for 25 cents, get one of these little rings that come in those little plastic cones, you know, and a gum to, and that's what we do. We're standing in front of there. Oh, that's a nice ring. Oh, that feels good. Oh, that's really cool. Hey, they like me in this guild, you know, because I worship the same God they do. And she's over here with this diamond studded Super Bowl ring. <laughs> and he's going like, see what I have. It's far better. He does that not to condemn you, Christian but to encourage you. He loves you. He saw this all the way from the beginning. He knew you before you were born. He chose you from the foundations of the earth. He knew exactly what you would do, what you wouldn't do. He knew where you would fail and would not fail. And he died for you. He died for you when you were his enemies. How much more will he bless you and change you now that you are his friends if you are in Christ? And if you're not in Christ, please bow your knee to Jesus. 
Come and kiss the Savior is what it says in Psalm 2. Come and say, you are Lord. I'm so sorry, Lord. Forgive me. And if he's giving you that grace right now by his spirit, then you respond to it. Don't worry about us. You just do it. We'll be okay if you cry out to God right now. Trust me. It's between you and God. Or you can do it in a moment when we pray and sing. But, but let us respond, believer. And if you're an unbeliever, I pray God give you the grace to respond right now. What is the appeal? Here's the appeal. Jesus will judge the nations who oppose him. And he will shepherd his people who submit to him. Jesus is our conquering shepherd. And he cares for us. He commends us. Yes, he corrects us. But he does it for his glory and our good. Jesus walks among us as the, the, those, those lampstands. And he trims the wicks. And he fills the oil of our hearts with the oil of his spirit. He, he fills them with his spirit so that we might burn brightly. As his witnesses. Conquering as he conquered. By holding fast to his gospel and suffering for him. And one day we will be glorified with him. Listen, this text ends with this. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Do you hear what the Spirit is saying to you this morning? I pray you would. That it would encourage you. That the one with eyes of flames and feet of burnished bronze is for you. He will bless you. He will encourage you. He will cause the light to shine brightly. Whatever it is the Lord might be revealing in your heart right now. I don't know what it is. Could be sexual immorality. Could be maybe just cheating and things. Business practices that, that aren't above board and you know it. It could be gossip. It could be slander. It could be just participating in things around the water cooler. Maybe it's not a pagan party on, on Saturday night. Maybe it's a pagan gathering at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. Maybe it's listening to that joke you shouldn't listen to and laughing at it. I don't know. That's the beauty of it. God knows you. I don't know you. And he will give you the grace to stand out and shine brightly in a dark world. Not self-righteously, but with the oil of his spirit for his glory and for our good. Let us pray. Worship team, would you please join me? Father, I pray that as we sing this song, Name Above All Names, we would be your lampstand in South Florida together as a church. That we would reveal the one who died for his people and rose again from the grave to defeat death, sin, Satan. Who one day would walk upon this earth with the burnished bronze feet and cause every enemy to bow down at his feet. On earth and under the earth. Thank you that you've chosen us, that we are your people. May we shine the light of your gospel and maintain it faithfully, Lord Jesus. For you are truly the light of the world. You've overcome the darkness. You've given us the grace. Lord Jesus, your name is above every name. And we stand now and declare that together in this song. Oh Lord, receive our worship. We sing it with our whole hearts. May we live it with our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Let us stand together and sing name above all names.